podcast listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales, and um, today we're bringing you another bonus episode discussing, as you probably have already read, the Quicksilver Pro France. Our previous contest recap show was the Hurley Pro, and obviously it was hosted with or co-hosted with Scott Bass of Down the Line Surf Talk Radio. Scott is actually hosting his boardroom show this weekend here in Orange County, California. So the timing of the end of the Quick Pro, unfortunately, conflicted with his schedule. Uh, The Quicksilver Pro event, though, was so um, interesting and it was marred with controversy. And so I still really wanted to discuss the event. And thankfully, I found a great alternative co-host in Chad Wells. Maybe you've heard Chad's name in the news recently. He worked with Quicksilver for a number of years and managed the surf team. Worked with Kelly, worked with Dane, and a lot of the other guys that are on tour. And he even worked in the commentary booth uh, during events. So considering the controversy surrounding the Quick Pro, I thought Chad would be able to provide some unique insight and perspective into the event. Secondly, about doing these event recap style shows, I really feel like it would be redundant and boring to just recap the results of each and every heat. And truthfully, every single surf media outlet has already done that in the last few hours on their website. So that information is out there. Um, We're approaching these event recap episodes under the assumption that you've already watched the event and at least know the results. So to me, what's more interesting than the actual final stats is how each surfer arrived at their result. The decisions that were made, the challenges, maybe a paddle battle or something, um, or you know how maybe one wave choice decides a heat, which in turn decides the world title. Um, Specifically in Kelly Slater's loss to Felipe Toledo in the quarterfinals of this Quicksilver Pro, there was a right that Kelly got and it offered the scoring potential. Um, I think he needed a seven or something. But he kind of pushed too hard on one of his turns and didn't quite spin out of the reverse that he attempted. Ultimately, had he finished the turn, had he finished the wave, he likely would have gotten the score, gained points towards his world title. And, you know, that could ultimately become the difference between him making winning the world title this year and not. It could really come down to that one wave. And so we really won't know, obviously, until the end of the season. Um and that that mistake may not even matter in the end. He may go on to win. But I, I really think that dense topics like that are perfect for the podcast platform to unpack. You know, those are those are topics that you can't necessarily unpack in text on a website. So I apologize if we brush over certain results or as with uh, this conversation with Chad, I don't think we even really discussed the final heat at all between Mick and um, Gabriel, other than to say that Mick won. But I think our goal isn't really to be your one-stop comprehensive event coverage. Rather, it's just to dig deep into some of the stories of the event. So I'll post the event results on surfsplendorpodcast.com, but more importantly, I'll post a link to the heat analyzer where you can go back and watch every single wave of the event, which I'm sure you already know how to find the event or the uh, event's website and the heat analyzer, and you've probably already looked at it, but I'm going to post it on our website anyways just to cover the bases. Um, 
I'm sure you'll have opinions about this event. There was some controversy. So I encourage you continue this conversation by posting your comments on this episode's page on our, on our website. Or feel free to tweet them at Surf Splendor and um, we'll make sure to reply and, and keep the conversation going. So I'll be back at the end of this episode to close out the show. Until then, here's my conversation with Chad Wells, who's recorded on October 4th, about an hour after the end of the Quicksilver Pro France on the north side of the Huntington Beach Pier. Enjoy. I mean, people, some people may know your name. Do you want to give kind of an introduction or, or maybe your background? Um, you know, I mean, it's, you can fit it all on a piece of confetti, really, but <laughs> for the most part, uh, I ran uh, the surf team along with Strider for a number of years, and then for the last few years, I ran it uh, myself at Quicksilver, so about 10, 10 years all up. Okay. And um, during that time, you spent some time in the commentary booth and stuff at various events, right? Yep, did a little commentary at Trestles back when uh, Boost and Quicksilver ran that event, and as well on the Gold Coast at Snapper. Cool. And so a bunch of ISA events here and there. So that was kind of why I wanted to bring Chad in. Is um, he's worked with a lot of the athletes, has a little bit of experience coaching, but really also considering the commentary debacle that took place at the Quicksilver Pro this year. Um, I thought Chad might have some insight into that, so I thought it'd be a perfect replacement for Scott. So, um, Dane Reynolds was the wild card into this event, or one of the wild cards into this event. He lost in round two, heat one. Um, some other big losses, Jordy lost in round five, heat three, so that really eliminates his world title uh, probabilities. Taj lost to Mick in round five. Um, John John Flores lost to Mick in quarterfinal two. Kelly went down to Felipe in quarterfinal number three. Mick won over Joel in semi number one. Gabe won over Felipe in semi number two. And then of course, Mick won over Gabe in the final. So those are the, the basic nuts and bolts of the results. Um, I wanted to get your opinion, Chad, first of all, on Dane Reynolds losing round two, heat one, taking the wild card. He obviously got the wild card into the Hurley Pro as well and lost there. We all want to watch Dane surf. We all love Dane. My criticism of Dane is that um, if you're not going to surf professionally or uh, competitively professionally, post more web edits on Marine Layer. You know what I mean? I feel like he hasn't really fulfilled his obligation to the public, so to speak, in that respect. And then if you're going to take wild cards from guys who are grinding it out on the QS, it'd be nice if he placed better than round two. You know what I mean? What are your thoughts on Dane? Um, you know, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a huge Dane Reynolds fan, you know, as well as a friend. So like, I, I want to see Dane surf. It's kind of uh, shattering as a fan to watch him lose. Yeah. You know, and granted, like he doesn't place himself in that competitive arena to, um, to just go out and attack like he would if he was, say, still on tour. Right. He'd have a totally different mind frame. And then at the same time, it's all about like great race car drivers need great racetracks, you know? It's like... But he, Lowers, you would think, is his racetrack. Yeah, but I mean, that event for the most part was garbage from yeah. start to finish. Right. I mean, granted, if it was me and you by ourselves, we'd have the best time of our lives, but... For sure. For mm -hmm. a, a top A plus shelf level event, it was pretty below average trestles. So, you know, it's like at the, 
it, it's a yin and yang. And I'm going to say that probably a million times in this uh, podcast. Like, you know, Dane is phenomenal, but he also, because he's not in that arena grinding and having to put on a display in a little bit of a time frame, he just doesn't have that mindset to go out and attack like he would if he was in the mix. Mm -hmm. So it's a bummer to have him lose that early, to not be able to see him say when it got good at Gravier. Um, but you know what? Like, if Dane takes it, I'm, I'm psyched. <laughs> I, so we can agree to disagree, we can disagree. Well, part of me certainly agrees. Like, I'm happy when I see him there and I buy him for 1.5 mil and put him on my fantasy team every time, <laughs> of course. And I was saying in a, the Hurley Pro recap, I think it's funny that he either makes semis and finals or loses in round two with twos and threes. You know, it's either all or nothing. So I appreciate the comedy in that. But um, what about my other point of like, well, dude, where's the marine layer edits? You know, I don't really have any input on that. It's, it's all his doing, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I know that he put in a lot of time with um, Craig on slow dance. And yeah. I, I know that probably like really gobbled up a lot of time for him. Yeah. Probably a lot of quality surf time as well. So, you know, I mean, now that he's free from, from that little monkey off his back and putting out that, that, uh, you know, that piece, like I loved it. I thought it was good. It showed a big part of Craig that I didn't even know existed, which I'm, I'm a fan. And a big part of Dane. Right. And I mean, like, you know, it's time will tell with Dane. And also, you know, I mean, really, he's a, he's a winner guy. Look for him in booties and getting freaking big drainers up in his part of town. I'll tell you what, thinking about that, if I have to forego six months of marine layer edits to then get slow dance as a result, I would take that. Because yeah. I, I really enjoyed slow dance as well. I thought the direction was what stood out most, and that was Dane's doing. So. Um, the next thing that happened in the event that's worth noting is the very next heat, actually. It was uh, Joel Parkinson versus Mark Lacomer, which um, became controversial in a lot of different ways. For those who didn't see it, um, Joel won the heat, but by almost anybody's opinion watching, Mark should have won the heat. What are your thoughts on that heat? You know, I'm, I'm going to fall in with the, uh, the general public on this one. I wholeheartedly felt Mark took that heat. No and, question, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm a Parco fan. I, I'm Me a fan too. of everybody on that tour. Like, if you earned your right to be on that tour, you're freaking ripping. And I mean, in, in my opinion, I even watched the heat review twice. And was Me like, too. You know what? I think Mark, Mark got him on that one. For sure. And then hands down. And you know what? To not to discredit the judges, those guys are trying to do the best job they can. They don't have any vested interest in world title things and I mean people have their little conspiracy theories and you know what they're not perfect maybe they got it wrong or maybe in the moment they felt that it was Joel's that was Joel's heat I mean you can't discredit them because we're not in the box and doing with their job but in my opinion I felt that Mark got that one so I there people are always the internet haters are always critical of the judges of course I'm not so well, much. The internet haters are critical of every single thing of that, course. that goes afoul with anything dealing with the industry or pro surfing. Absolutely. Period. That is understood. But I always try to give the judges the benefit of the doubt and I'll go back and watch the heat and even if I don't agree with them, I can kind of see how they arrived at their decision. You know? That was a heat where I tried my hardest to understand their arrival at Joel winning and there was no understanding it at all. It was like Mark 
surfed better. He surfed to their criteria that they require. And um, and so I agree with you saying that judges make mistakes here and there, and it, it falls short one time and falls long the next well, time. I mean, floater game, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's moments through surfing that you can always pinpoint, like, you know, you put your hands up and say, really? With like 10 question marks, like, but, come on, what, what were they thinking? There's, and, it, and it happens. It happens in every event, but the question is, why does it always happen in Joel's favor? You know what I mean? Right. That's yeah, when it that's becomes just... questionable. So I think it's, it's undeniable that something, if, I, I don't know, if you're, something has to happen, something has to change. Somebody was saying, I was reading Schauber's blog, did you read his thing? Yeah, well, I mean, let's just break it down. Mark is a great surfer, he's very powerful, he's very mechanical. Yeah. Where Joel is just like this buttery, smooth surfer from A to B. You know, he makes, he's so smooth, it makes, he makes things look too easy right. at times. So you've got the subjectivity of people throwing style into the criteria. And I mean, when I watched that, I saw Mark doing way bigger first turns. Yeah. You know, every turn, blow tail, boom. Like he was, And it was top to bottom. Yeah, too. he was nailing it. Yeah. And I think he got it. But it, again, it's aesthetics. Maybe the judges just like the way Joel surfs. And that could be it. What do you think, though, about when controversial heats like that happen, why don't we ever get an explanation from the judges? I feel like it would be worthwhile for the judges at the end of the event, maybe in a press conference, to analyze the heat and say, look, we'll just explain it to you guys, and if you disagree, then we can tweak it going forward. But here's how we scored this heat. Wave one, we scored Joel a point for this or a point for that for these reasons, and Mark for these reasons. You know, I think that would go a long way with the community. Rather than just being tight-lipped about it, and having everybody argue in the internet forums, you know? Right, well, I mean, that's the beauty and the, the not so beautiful thing about the internet is it gives people a voice and, and, and they get to stand up and put their opinions out there. And unfortunately, like, you know, there's a lot of people that hide behind, you know, fake accounts that put some really nasty things out there and you kind of wish, which you kind of almost have to discredit because uh, yeah. if you can't put your name to something and you're gonna come out and and throw, you know, the wrench into people's spokes. Like, you better like put your name on it and stand up for, for your words. Otherwise, it's almost, they're worthless, Right. you know? When you're hiring for a small business, you wanna find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, 
totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Entertaining. Yeah. But worthless. But like Mickey Mouse says something derogatory. It's like, well, you kind of scrub Mickey Mouse because it's like, it's a probably a grown man hiding behind a fake account. And you're like, come on, man, step up. Like, where's your sack? Right. It's easy. It's easy to nitpick and just to complain about things without without offering any solution. Right. And I mean, whether or not they've (laughs) got some career on the line, then if that's the case, then maybe they shouldn't even be throwing those things out there. So one of the things you mentioned starting off your point was about the judges have no vested interest. And then you alluded to saying there's internet conspiracy theorists out there. And one of the things that I read was that are the judges betting on these events? Betting is a big deal in other countries, maybe not so much here. I, you know, that's, I know that you can't do it from here unless you've got an Australian bank account. So, okay. But you know, so, who knows? I would highly doubt that they would be, but you know. But is there somebody governing that though, even, you know? I, I, mean, would, it, I would imagine, I mean, but again, a different country, who knows? That is a great question. It's worth looking into, you know what I mean? It's like if the ASP wants to be taken seriously in the direction they're going with ZOZ, um, those are things that they would have to implement, you know? So, I don't know, it's interesting. Um, so the other big thing that happened in that, that heat was that uh, Snake and, or Jake Patterson and Damian Farinfort were the commentators for that heat. And they um, are kind of irreverent and comical and joking and they're betting beers on heat scores back and forth, and they were doing it in previous heats as well. And then when that final exchange came, they were questioning whether or not Joel would get the score that he needed to make it through the heat and made a reference to, oh, maybe the judges will give him, quote, world title points. And um, the fallout after the heat was that Renato Hinkle, I guess. I don't even know if it was after the heat. It felt like it came days later. Maybe, yeah. Well, because then there was a couple lay days. Right. So it might have come in the aftermath. But ultimately, they got fired from the commentary booth. And um, and I've actually got the email right here. This was posted on Stab Mag. But um, basically, it said, what they the quote from them is, in an email to Jake's Masters at Quicksilver, Renato Hickel writes, and Renato Hickel is, uh, what's his official position? I believe he's the ASP tour manager. Tour manager, men's ASP. So he said, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, yeah, something like that, though. But uh, he said to the web announcers, betting beers, or to have web announcers betting beers, guessing judge scores in almost every single wave and telling thousands of web viewers that Joel would receive world title bonus points is completely unacceptable, a stain on the webcast. Uh, Jake Patterson replied in an email, I had a look at the heat review of Joel's heat and I didn't see anything bad at all nothing worth your rude email. I think you need to have another look at the heat yourself. As for betting beers, what a joke. You really think that's unacceptable? That is a strong word. I take offense to what you say, making a mockery of pro surfing. Um, I love the sport and think I have, and don't think I have done anything wrong. I agree with Jake. I don't think they did anything wrong. And in fact, prior to that happening, I had made a note for this show that I think Snake and Doom's commentary is awesome and betting beers and uh, all the comedy, I think it's it's kind of representative of the spirit of surfing, you know? And I think they tapped into that, whereas the Hurley Pro seems so vanilla and so stale and dry. 
in hindsight, what it was missing was that enthusiasm about the sport, which Snake and Duma brought back. I was sad to see them go. What are your thoughts on um, them being let go and the reasons why they were let go? You know, it's um, that one, like, I'm just going to give, like, a couple different sides of every coin here. Yeah. Maybe a three-sided coin. All First right. off, <laughs> one side of the coin, how did this even make it to the press? Like, really? This is just not even worth news, in my opinion. What, that's, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that should never even come to the surface. Okay. Damien and Jake suddenly don't appear on the webcast for the last few days. Nobody notices, really. They're going to, where did those guys go? Right. Nothing happens. Somehow it gets out, Stab posts it, it becomes a big folly, you know? And there's 129 comments or whatever. And it's like, do I feel that they did anything wrong? Absolutely not. I think Jake is well-respected. Yeah. The former pipe master. He's won Jay Bay X amount of times. Guy is passionate about the sport. He's passionate about the brand. You know, Jake and Damien are friends of mine. Like, he, he's got nothing but the best interest of surfing in his heart. Yeah. So, to bet a beer, I don't think it's a big deal. You know, Damien, I don't think really Damien said anything. No, he he's didn't. He's just kind of in the box of Jake. And then for ASP to come down on that, I see their side of that story. Because, and granted, I'm not, gonna, I'm not taking anyone's side. I just think the thing wasn't even news. And it yeah, should have yeah. never even made it to, to the press. But <laughs> ASP with the direction they're trying to take it, whether, like you said, it's vanilla, they just want a top tier production. And in somebody's opinion, that just wasn't part of the, the game plan. Sure. So, okay, so they ruffled some feathers. Now, the question is, they're gonna even bring that up to Quicksilver. My, my beef, just a question here, which I'm gonna question ASP, is you've got two guys in the Chopu event who get in a physical altercation, yet they don't make a comment about it. There's no fines, there's no suspensions. I believe in every sport, if you have a physical altercation other than hockey, you're gonna have fines and suspensions. I'm not saying I ever wanna see anything bad happen to the guys that were in that, right. but as the governing body, they didn't even come out and say a word. So to me, it just comes down to priorities. And I know ASP is in the middle of change. And I just feel like maybe they got to get their finger on the priorities of what their vision is and what they want to do. And, you know, it's just confusing to the public when it you is, see them yeah. come out and, and put that out there. But then you've got guys like going fisticuffs in an event and they don't say a word. So for those listeners who aren't familiar with that story, in the trials event for the Billabong Pro in Tahiti, um, in a nail biter of a heat, Jamie O'Brien took off in front of Ricardo Dos Santos and I guess punched him in the face while they were both bottom turning. My understanding though of why the ASP didn't say anything is because the ASP doesn't sanction the trials event. But it's still their event. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, I think even if they don't sanction it, they should still certainly have said something about it. Um, I mean, they, they came out and made a comment about something that had nothing to do with them prior to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what that was. Right. <laughs> and it's like, really? They, it was like 40 miles out of their wheelhouse. So, yeah. And and I mean, I know everyone over there. Like, it's, it's, it's all good in my book. But okay. I just wonder where 
their vision and priorities lie. When they're going to nitpick about a beer, but then you've got guys going fisticuffs and not saying anything. It's like, okay, like whether the trials are sanctioned or not, it's those athletes that come out of that end up in their event. Let me ask you this. So um, I'm sure I'll probably get lambasted for even saying that, but whatever. No, well, let me ask you this. Specifically to Renato's um, remark of saying that guessing the judges' scores on almost every single wave and telling thousands of web viewers that Joel would receive world title bonus points is completely unacceptable. So I'm pretty sure in every single heat, the commentators are guessing the judges' score on every single wave. That's just part of what they do. So for him to criticize them doing that, maybe the part of saying world title points, he has a little bit of grounds there, but to criticize and use that as a reason for um, relieving them of their duties, I think is a little bit, you know, again, nitpicky or hypocritical, or I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's like everybody does that. So it just seems out of line for them to lose their, their job over that, you know? Yeah, and again, I, their job as commentators, probably not their jobs with Quicksilver. Well, and let's just break it down. As a ASP commentator, there should just be guardrails. And to my knowledge, I don't know if anybody puts any guardrails up as to what you can really do and can't do. They're defining them now, I guess. And that's how it should be. I mean, yeah. it's a professional sport. I mean, granted, it's a counterculture sport. It's very subjective, as we all know. But, you know, to, to be someone that's going to speak to the public, I think you need to know what your guardrails are before you overstep your boundaries. Maybe that's just another thing that needs to be addressed. It, apparently it is, that's what we're learning now, but it's also weird that those guardrails don't exist in the NFL or any other sport. I mean, commentators in the NFL criticize referees' calls all the time. As you should be able to, that's, right. that's your job as a commentator. Yeah, it becomes communist if it's not. Now, you know? and to say something derogatory is a totally different thing. I mean, sure. you don't want to talk about sex, drugs, and religion on a webcast. You know, sure. you don't want to in any uh, public forum, but I, I feel there's really no harm there. Yeah, I agree. I just think, again, back to what I was saying about the judges uh, scoring too, I think there needs to be more transparency. If they're going to make a uh, rash decision like that, there needs to be an explanation of why and a debate about it. Um, right. I don't have it, to take a stance on it, so I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, fair because enough. Because there's two sides to every coin. And basically, Dave, what we do know, and I apologize for interrupting you. No, that's fine. Is just what's been put out there by this one step by media. Yeah. So we don't, I mean, to me, like, I feel there's more backstory to this whole thing than what's even being told to us. So... You know, it's kind of like one of those things where, hey, maybe ASP, their beef is valid to them and they got to step up. And obviously to the, you know, to the public like me and you, we're like, no harm, no foul. Like, yeah, know your, know your audience. You know, you don't think the businessman that surfs is cracking a couple beers on the weekend. Right. You know, and they want to see a great production. And I mean, to me, like, it's like the news. It's entertainment. Even though it's good, good news or bad news, it's still you watch it. And whether you're entertained or not, it's like anything that comes out of that box is entertainment. Right. And a webcast and webcasters, they bring knowledge, they bring color, they give you insight to a sport to the people that don't know, and they give the commentary the, to the people that do know, and they just break it down, and that's their job is to relay information and to keep it interesting. Yeah. Because the longer you stay on the web, the better it is for the webcast. Right. And I, I think those guys were all time. I did too. I thought again that's what they added that was lacking in other events is 
their enthusiasm for the sport. I remember, um, I think it was in Heat 2, Gabe Medina versus Trav Logie. Gabe was racing down the line and Snake's just screaming at the screen like, oh, he's going to do an air, he's going to do an air. And then Gabe does it and he freaks out, you know? And it's like, man, I, I'm afraid that if they want to take it more mainstream and vanilla, they're going to eliminate all the things that we surfers can relate to. We can relate to that enthusiasm and maybe it is the betting of the beers, but if it just goes mainstream and they eliminate the original customer base, dude, they're going to end up at square one. Nobody's going to you know yeah that's you know that's going to be a uh, time will tell for for how these productions are going to roll out yeah hopefully i mean i'm still going to watch every one of them I'm, I'm a fan of surfing i mean that's my sport i wake up at three in the morning to watch heats for you know it's like i don't watch football i don't watch baseball i don't watch any other sport so of course i can we're talking like regardless if it's like freaking portugal or you know brazil or even margaret's or whatever I'm gonna watch it, yeah. you know, and some commentators you like, some you don't. Yeah. But the fact is, it's like, that's that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. That's a sport I wanna watch. Well, let me ask you this. Um, I know the commentators get subbed out so that they could take breaks in between heats and stuff. Um, do the do the judges do the same, or are the judges putting in 10 and 12 hour days? Well, I mean, yeah, they do take breaks, but they also are putting in those long days. And, you know, that's, that's another thing that, you know, is so highly criticized and it's not the easiest job in the world. Right. I'm telling you. So I've done it. I did it for two years in the Key West here in California and, and actually the United States. It's a tough job. Yeah. You know, and it's like you got to really pay attention and really focus and having a, an amazing head judge is what basically is what it's all about, in my opinion. He's the guy that's going to make sure that your scoring is on point. Well, let's break that down. So there's five judges. Um, the top score and the bottom score of each wave get thrown out, and the other three scores get averaged. Right. What is the head judge's role in any of that? Um, just to, you know, I mean, obviously the head judge has just got to keep his eyes on the horizon, listen to his spotter, and, and really just kind of be able to make the comparisons, and that's what it's all about. It's like, setting the scale, making comparisons, making sure that you get those scores as accurate as you can. You know, and it's, I mean, it's a tough job. Yeah. Like, here we are talking about Parco and Lacomare. It's like, hey, maybe they saw it one way, but everyone on TV sure did see it another way. Yeah. You know, the internet was like, hey, hang on a minute. We're totally opposed to that. And that's the downside of being a judge. It's like, hey, we saw it this way, and we were all there in the moment watching it, and you guys saw it on the web, and maybe it just looked different to us, who knows? Well, there's always subjectivity, that'll always be debated, totally. but, but my point is that I've adjusted the way that I'm analyzing the heat to their um, scoring criteria, to what they've defined each and redefined each year in each contest to say, well, now we're looking for um, this is more, you know, um, critical, of how critical the turn is more important than length of ride or whatever it is, I've made those adjustments now. But then when you watch the heat like that, it's like, hey dude, you said you were scoring on this, but then you gave Joel the score for surfing buttery, you know? So that's where it becomes really questionable. Um, and I think everybody has every right to question it as they do in every sport. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's that's what makes it subjective. And, you know, I mean, I 
I'm not gonna jump up on a soapbox and say someone's right and someone's wrong. Just it's because it's like, hey, it's already etched in stone and there's nothing we can do about it. Right, there's no going back. Um, so a little bit about the rankings with this, with these results. Um, looks like Jordy's out. Looks like Joel is pretty much out. I guess mathematically, if Mick wins Portugal, Kelly has to get fifth or worse, and then Mick can actually clinch the title in Portugal. What do you think the odds of that happening are? Well, is it Kelly, Mick, and Joel in the top three? Math, uh, yeah. I mean, from what Kelly said on the webcast, this is what I just basically caught in the morning. I think after he lost, I gave up watching because I came surfing, the waves are good today, but um, he kind of said that it's throwing out everybody's lows is gonna put everybody pretty close with Joel, or I mean, excuse me, Mick still out in front. Yeah. But it was gonna kind of bring them all real tight together. Right. So I mean, it's I don't really know what the scenarios are, but it's definitely. Uh, well, at this stage, it's somebody that's won a world title already is gonna win. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Kelly said that prior to Mick winning the event, and now that Mick clinched it, it made things harder for Joel basically, and him and Kelly are now tighter. Um, but what do you think the odds are of Mick winning in Portugal? I know he's done well there in the past, and then Kelly would have to lose, you know, fifth or worse. I mean, what, you know, and then if that doesn't happen, it comes down to pipe. Who's your, who's your pick for the world title? You know what? It's like freaking, it's anybody's game really, because anything can happen at pipe. Yeah. It could be three foot and you can have guys like doing air reverses on the reef practically, or it can be north swell and you're surfing Aokai. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like anything can happen. So um, if you were a betting man, what's your fantasy team going to be like? Or what's your fantasy, what are your fantasy? I haven't picked Portugal yet, but. Yeah, how do you adjust it going into Portugal? You know, I mean, it comes down to like, I feel like tube riding. It's super tubes. Yeah. Like guys that can actually do something out after they've come out of the barrel and get really barreled. So, I mean, John John would have to be a good pick. Micker Joel guaranteed a pick. Kelly's always on my. He's been on my team all year. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you go into like X Factor guys like Gabriel who can come out and just do a big rotor right on the sand. Um, Freddie P, who's lethal in tubes, like left hand barrels. He's and a good guy. Yeah. And line. like, you know, it could go anyway. Like Kersey, same thing. Julian Wilson, he won last year. Like, yeah, you know, he's just been on fire lately. So like, really, it just comes down to like money. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you got to fit it in that cap and and then just kind of who, who your gut feeling is. So my gut feeling on the end of the year world title is Kelly. I. I say that just probably on a statistical. No, no. I say it out of fact. really just being a fan of Kelly because average. When I look at the stats and when you look at um, how he and Mick look, I think Mick looks primed to win the world title. Actually, he looks more committed, more focused than I've seen him look since probably last time he won. Um, I went back and watched Red Bull's 21 Days series that they did with him and Parco at the beginning of the season. And a lot of the things that he was saying in there are coming to fruition now later in the season. And you could see the level of training. And he was, you know, when he won his first world title, he was just hyper-focused but wasn't enjoying life at that point. 
and that took a toll on him. And he's taken a couple years to really negotiate that and feel it out. And I feel like where he's at now, he's as fit and as focused as he was then, but he's also, he's a world title holder now, and he's also feeling more comfortable and a little more relaxed than he was, which is the way that Kelly wins world titles. Kelly, on the other hand, poor result at Trestles, you know, for him, and, uh, and a lesser result here than he really wanted. I'm wondering where he's at mentally and if he has that focus that it takes to win the world titles that he's won in the past, you know? Right. You know, that's, that's it. It's literally like it's, it's what's bouncing around in those guys' heads the day of. Yeah. And, you know, that's like, that's just, it's crazy. You! That's good. How are you? Um, it's like any of those guys, it's just who puts on the laser beams and just starts freaking lacerating. You yeah. Know? And like what you just said, like Mick just looks like he's just razor sharp right now. Parko's always like, he's just a hitman. And then Kelly, it's like, he's either feeling it and just kind of floats over everyone all the way to the podium, you know? It's like almost when he's in the zone, it almost feels like like he doesn't even have to fight for it. Waves just come to him, he's throwing eights and nines down and he just kind of easily wins. So I'm interested in your insight a little bit more about that. You know Kelly a little bit and um, I just kind of made an argument against him in that he doesn't look as focused as he has. And he Mick came out does. and said it in, the, in this event, like he just wasn't, his head wasn't in it. Okay, let's look at his track record. And it seems like the times where he acts aloof is when he really, or when his back is against the wall maybe, is when he puts on his best, you know, best performances, especially when the world title comes down to pipeline. What are your, do you have any insight into that or what are your thoughts? You know, like it's weird. Like when I watch Kelly surf, like it just feels like it's a, it's like an ocean thing with him. It's like, you know, like when he di dials in with the ocean, just waves come to him and he just sticks everything and you're just like, yeah, you can see that he's gonna win. Usually like by the fourth round, you're like, oh, right. look out. So I don't know, it's like, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Like it's almost, you can sense when he's gonna win and when you can tell like it just he's not jiving with mother nature. Okay, let me ask you this. What's your gut instinct on him coming off of two poor results, back against the wall, he's still able to win a world title, but he has to do it in the next two events. Is his, um, is he gonna, you know, turn up, find a new gear with the next two events? Or is, is, is Kelly Slater the machine gonna make an appearance? Or is he in a slump that he's not gonna get out of? What's, you know, who knows? Like, what's we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to wait and find out of Portugal. For me, I feel like he can just show up and, and bring it. Yeah. So I hope he does. I hope he does too. You know, like, he, cause it's always a good show. Yeah. You know, he can like do the big gaffs, do the big power hooks, get super barreled, and then toss a big rotor freaking right on the sand. So I mean like, I want to see it. It's always a good show when the Kelly show shows up. Yeah. It's exciting, man. This is what the most exciting world title races have looked like when it comes down to the pointy end, you know? So I think we're right there. Um, I hope they get good waves in Portugal. They've had two events with kind of lackluster waves now. So it'd be sick if we got those perfect head-high barrels again. Um, all right, dude. Well, thanks for sitting in with us and yeah, filling dude. in for Scott, dude. I appreciate your commentary. Right on. And for all you listeners, we will check in with you in about a week or two. Thanks for listening. One correction about our conversation. The new ASP rankings after the event were not quite posted at the time of our conversation. 
but they are now, and they show that I was mistaken when I said that Joel Parkinson is in third place after the event. He's not. Jordy Smith is in third, Joel is in fifth. Basically the top five is um, Fanning in first, Slater in second, Jordy in third, Taj in fourth, and Joel in fifth. So those are the current rankings coming out of France, going into Portugal, which starts in four days. The Rip Curl Pro uh, in Portugal, it's October 9th actually is the exact date that the waiting period begins. So I plan on bringing you another recap show for that event. Until then, I encourage you to listen to past episodes of Surf Splendor on our website, Stitcher, or iTunes, where everything is archived for free. While you're there, feel free to leave a comment or feedback about the show, or maybe just leave an idea for a show idea that you have. You can do it all on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. A big thanks to today's guest, Chad Wells, for his unique insight. I hope you enjoyed him. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.